Lucifer Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. For all things comics, movies, media, music, and more, check out the Cage Club Network. That's cageclub.me. Several weeks ago, I was like, yeah, guys, how exciting. We're getting three X-Books one week and then one the next week. And then that week rolled around and inexplicably, the back of those X-Men comics that advised me that there were going to be three X-Books one week and one the next week was incorrect. And in fact, there were four X-Books and then zero. So of course, we're celebrating that this week by inexplicably reading all of the books that didn't come out this week. That makes this weird, Krakoa. I'm Nico. I'm Dylan. I'm Kyle. I'm Regina. And I'm Jonah, and we hope you survive the experience. So today we're going to be covering New Mutants number 5, Excalibur number 5, X-Force number 5, Fallen Angels number 5, and Savage Avengers FCBD 1 to 5. But FCBD? That doesn't sound like a number at all. Why, that can only be the free comic book day kickoff that they used to get everybody kind of interested in Savage Avengers. Alright, I'm gonna be really honest. Show of hands, when you guys heard Savage Avengers, did everybody kind of giggle as hard as they giggled at Extreme X-Men? <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's one of the silliest adjectives that they could put in front of a team. Especially a team of superheroes! Well, wow. By Crom, I would not call these superheroes. No, in fact, I, I, I believe I understand that most of you were quite tired of hearing the phrase by Crom by the end. Ugh. Regina, was this your first Conan? Basically, I read a couple of random books, like just single copies way, way back, but it's been a while. And uh, when we started this, I was like, okay, let me guess. There's going to be one woman on this team. <laughs> And from your mouth to the editor's ears, they only gave us one woman. One amazing woman, mind you. But thank goodness oh, that they've course. announced in February we're getting Ileana, too. Right. So I was very excited to hear that. Because when I heard Savage, I was like, oh, here we go with the Sausage Fest. The Super Stabby <laughs> Sausage Fest. Jonah... I'm pretty sure I promised you, like, hey, hon, there's no chance we're going to read dumb violence books. Hey, you want to read this dumb violence book with me? I do remember that distinct promise, those exact words. Well, what did you think about this dumb violence book? Well, it was a lot of violence and a lot of blood and uh, overall, pretty cool. I was pretty entertained throughout the entire issue. Maybe was a little annoyed between the Bicrom and Frank Castle repeatedly saying, where's my family for about 30 panels. But outside of that, pretty good. Kyle, you were the first person to be like, I swear to God, if he says Bicrom one more time, it's driving me batty. How did, <laughs> had you ever read the Coulon Gath two-parter from the 190s and the Uncanny X-Men before? I must have, because I know that I've gotten to 200, but I honestly don't remember it. It's one of those things that were like, I was like, guys, are you all excited? And like, seriously, all four of you in a very loud indifference, like everybody was just like, sure, Nico. Well, and we're going to get into all of that, but it wouldn't be an episode of X's for Podcasts, We Are Krakoa, if I hadn't built in some sort of horrifying arcade-like, am I just arcade? Am I just like the game show version of arcade on podcasts? You're arcade or mojo. 
Oh my god. Do you, do you wear giant, gigantic uh, bow ties? And suspenders. Oh my god, you guys. I've never needed anything so bad as arcade mojo. Oh my god. Oh, oh. my god. Dylan, <laughs> I do believe you are in charge of the hellscape we find ourselves trapped in today. And what a hellscape it is. Yeah, we are going to be doing things a little bit different this time. Mainly, that's because one of the books that we chose to read this week, I am not a part of. So, I got to spin some dice and decide how we were going to be doing things this week. And we are going to be kicking it off with talking about last week's New Mutants number five. Personally, this was actually one of my favorite books. The reason that I love the book this much is because during the issue, the Shi'ar Death Commandos finally got what they deserved from what they did to a family that I usually don't care that much about, but... I'm really grateful that you stepped up here. Thank you. As the king of the gray people, thank you. <laughs> Holy shit, what I'm Nico so grateful. What alluding to is that a... <laughs> handful of years ago, the Shi'ar Death Commandos came to Earth and destroyed the entire Grey line. And Grey is Jean Grey's family because the Shi'ar was afraid of any of them being connected to the Phoenix in the future. So in 2005, what fucking happened was the Shi'ar found that the Greys were having a family party and committed Grey-acide? In an act called the End of Greys. In this issue, the Death Commandos attack the New Mutants who are protecting Deathbird, who the New Mutants are taking to the Shi'ar Empire. Magic gets to slaughter a few of them, which is amazing. Jonah, what were your thoughts on this issue and just slaughter of Shi'ar Death Commandos? The idea of finding yourself and where you fit in, I think that's the common theme of here. We have a lot of asides from Birdo giving us a lot of perspective of his wealth, how he fits in with Sam and his new wife, and being basically the godfather great uncle to their child. We have Mondo and Jono talking about, do they fit in with these new mutants? Do they like them? The jury's still out on that one. They might not be coming back after their ship got blown up. Overall, I thought this was a pretty cool issue. I think I stan and appreciate this powerful, sexual pan Ileana who just wants to make out and kick ass. I could get down with that. My only problem with this issue was the Death Squad seemed to go down very fast. Not to knock the talents of the new mutants, but I'm talking really wrapped up a little too fast. But you're skipping the best moment in that whole fight. Do you want to make out with me? No. Do you want to make out with me? Not enough arms. Do you want to make out with me? Well, yeah, but I'm at work. As much as I like <laughs> Ileana and her craziness and wanting to maybe fuck instead of fight, I honestly think that Karma making the big giant dude punch himself in the face was actually better. I just didn't enjoy the fact that she did that little flourish at the end. Cute, but like, and I don't mean this, I'm not sure where the line lands, but it felt a little anime girl to me. Oh yeah, I was so gonna say that she acted like Sailor Moon after she defeated him. I was just <laughs> gonna say that. <laughs> Except she's Vietnamese, and like, it's... It's just sort of like saying all Asian women behave the same. Like, I'm not sure it's actually a problem, but I know there was something about it that felt cute, but at what cost cute moment? 
I loved the punching in the head. The head punch. Punch, punch head. But just the cute. That's kind of one of the things that I had a problem with in the very first issue of New Mutants, where the characters were just acting much younger and cutish than they should at this time in their lives. I don't disagree with that. Though, I think for my money, the thing that jumped off the page the hardest at me was New Mutants is trying to be a little bit of everything. I was personally, did anybody else get major Deadpool vibes from Bobby's fourth wall breaking narrations? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Down to the check me out next week. And it kind of makes sense that if Cable, in many ways, passed on the right of succession to Cannonball, the guy who comes in and cleans up the kids' messes, there is a logical inheritance that Birdo would transcend the trope of Deadpool and take on like this millionaire playboy Deadpool attitude. Regina, you jumped in right with that. How did you read it? Well, looking at the book as a whole, there was just a lot of kind of cutesy little moments here and there. I don't mind it, but it was just a little bit jarring. But it's kind of like in the prior books, you know, we we still have these moments. And I guess that's just kind of the way that this particular writer is addressing this particular scene. His bird segue was hilarious. Yes! <laughs> oh, my God. That was hilarious. And then when he was flirting with Deathbird, that was adorable. <laughs> I did enjoy it, but at the same time, it kind of felt a little off. And then the karma thing felt a little off. But overall, I did actually enjoy the book. And when they were fighting at the end, I was trying to figure out why did karma reach out to Mondo instead of Chamber? Because isn't Chamber telepathic? And wouldn't it have made more sense for her to reach out to him? That is a very important note. Like, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, Chamber's telepathic too. Kyle... When we were green rooming, you had a thing about that. Yeah, I don't really know why Mondo and Chamber are here at all. They just feel like they're along for the ride. They don't fit in with the rest of the group. Except for the fact that them in their tight jeans, they give me nice dreams. I can't think of much of a reason to have... Honestly, it's going to sound so dumb, but Mondo has the hottest fucking body. Like, there are just not enough thick daddy types in X-Men. The ones that are, are usually like morbidly obese to a purposely exaggerated end, like the blob. But Mondo serves some thick daddy realness, and I have been in love with Chamber since I'm eight years old. I have only ever wanted to be Chamber. I literally like to wrap my face in a scarf and hiss at people. Kyle, I can't agree enough. I really feel like Mondo and Chamber are just kind of giving me spank fodder. Like I said at the beginning of this, I really enjoyed this book the most out of this past week's issues. I really, really enjoyed this book because the characterization of some of them, and the reason I was mentioning this, is because in in this book, Mondo and Chamber decide not to join the battle. Again, Mondo is a character that no one knows really anything about because writers gave him an awful origin story. But Chamber, I feel, has never been written to be a person that would shy away from a battle. I mean, yes, they wrote it that he's not getting the experience that he thought he would in space, but Chamber is not someone that would turn his back on his friends to let them fight death commandos. I very agree. We're going to move on to a book where I'm sure lots of people got their asses kicked. I'm not sure if they did because it's not a book that I read, but we're going to move on to Savage Avengers. Nico, what happened? What happened is all of my dreams came true. Somebody, somebody somewhere sat in a room in the dark and said, Nico, Nico, what would make you happiest? And I said, 
importing Daredevil into the X-Men, but understandably, you'd have to replace him with Wolverine, so you'd need Elektra to offset everything. And while you're there, if you could just throw in some Frank Castle hotness, because I imagine Frank Castle is the subbiest sub, and I can get behind that shit. So then you throw in, by Crom, you throw in Conan, who when I see Conan, I immediately go to Conan the Adventurer. Conan, like the cartoon with Needle the Phoenix. And I go there, right? I live there. It's a really nice chateau by the lake. And I am so excited. I'm so ready for this. I'm like sexually ready for this. And then you throw in Jericho Drum. So then I, I start reading it. And okay, uh, Prisinger. All right. This seems pretty, this seems aimed at me now. Wait a minute. <laughs> What's Venom doing here? Venom serves no purpose. Why is Venom trapped in a jar? Oh, that's not Venom. That's a Venom. That's not Venom. Okay. So here's what you need to know to follow along. The Hand are up to no good now that Kulan Gath is helping lead them. Kulan Gath and Conan, having been reacquired from their previous license at Dark Horse, are once again Marvel characters in a move that seems designed only to make Jason Aaron happy. This team forges forward in an attempt to stop Kulan Gath, who has gained, like I said, the favor of the hand. But moreover, they've kidnapped Frank Castle's family and they're trying to, like, hand resurrect them. And I just think that's so funny. (laughs) You're not supposed to find it funny, but I'm kind of like, how has nobody thought to resurrect Frank Castle's family to get at him before? That's so creative! Hold on, what doesn't it make like the dumbest sense to resurrect his family? Because that means he's gonna become like Berserker Punisher. I'm having trouble fighting you on that when they were like, Oh, the eye of Agamotto, Agamotto wants his eye back, and I'm like, Okay, that's kind of clever, right? And they're like, Frank Castle's family necromance them. You can't see the face I'm making, but it is akin to the face on his shirt. At the end of the day, this is 1986. This is like 1985-1986. This is Electra with the hand. This is the Kulan Gath story. This is Ileana joining the cast shortly. This is Frank Castle at his peak. It's Conan in the Marvel Universe. Jerry Dugan was given the opportunity to recreate his childhood in a beautiful way, and I'm very lucky that it's my childhood too. Jonah, I wanted to ask you, I know you are new to some of these characters. What were your thoughts on this book? Good question. And I don't think I had many negative or positive thoughts. I was pretty neutral overall. I think the best character for me that came out of this was Electra. It seemed like they gave Electra the most interesting personality out of everyone there, potentially followed by Logan, because Logan seemed pretty badass to save his friend. But outside of that, I, I don't know if I really enjoyed Conan. Really don't think I enjoyed Punisher in this. And this is my first introduction to Jericho, so he was pretty cool, but I don't feel like I feel like he kinda got shafted in this and didn't get really get to do much. <laughs> he got shafted. Oh. <laughs> Because he got thrown down a hole. That so. makes sense. <laughs> For the person that didn't read the book, I didn't know what you were referring to or what shaft. Yo, but Jericho drum is so fucking hot, I would help him beat that shaft all day. Oh, I meant that like beat the drum? I, I thought, oh no. Uh, Nico seems a little too Oh no. He's one of my favorite artists that is drawing for this book. I loved his work in Wonder Woman and I love his work here. Very beautiful. This is Diodato, and- right? Oh my gosh. So yeah. Um, okay. So with this, there's a scene where Kulangath gives K 
castle, this memory of his family dying. And I was a little bit confused by what happened right after that. But so it shows them at the picnic and then it shows his wife in front of him. And Gath says, when you heard the weapons, did you hide behind your wife? A warrior's instinct is to seek cover. And Frank gets just this look on his face and he's like, oh my God, did I? But I kind of took it as his wife jumped in front of him. So okay. I don't know if I just misinterpreted that. And then he really did grab his wife as a shield, <laughs> which would make it even more tragic that he lost her. Yeah. You know? I mean, I really, huh. I hadn't even thought of like, what if it's not cool on just like fucking with him? Wow. What if he, in a moment of weakness, did the wrong move? That does make it so much more tragic. And then at the end, I just wanted to point this out when they're destroying the big monster and Wolverine basically has Conan beat him into the brain of the monster. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Amazing. That was pretty epic. <laughs> it was like, it was pretty sexy. Like it was like, he was desperate for that brain. So like he was going to get it no matter what. It, maybe I am sexually attracted to this book. <laughs> <laughs> And why wouldn't you be? <laughs> why wouldn't you be? Like, all of these men should just be worshipping Elektra, and it would be perfect. I mean, Conan kind of is. <laughs> oh my god. I just want to shave his head. Like, if I could just give Conan a buzz cut, he would be so hot. <laughs> but he's so simple, and he screws everything up. By Chrome! <laughs> Sometimes simplicity I is guess, nice. but he gave the amulet to Kulan Gath. <laughs> Kyle, I wanted to ask you, since you are a person who has made it well-known on the show, that you aren't too much for goriness. Again, I didn't read the book, so I didn't read this issue, so I, I don't know if that's what happened in the issue. But I know Punisher, and I know Wolverine, and I know Elektra. They seem like pretty gory characters. Is this a book that you enjoyed with the stance that you usually have with Kyle them. doesn't like it. Does that make him agoraphobic? Okay, Kyle, reply. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a little much. I mean, I, I can see myself continuing to read the story, but it was a lot of blood. It was a lot of beheadings. It was a lot of throat slitting and... They they bled Wolverine. <laughs> it was it was a lot. Seriously, Wolverine between this and X Force was a blood bank this yeah, month. Yeah, yeah. This, this this was a oh, yeah. this was a rough week for Kyle. Speaking of X Force, that is the next book that we were going to go to. X Force number five. I may say that this is one of my favorite issues besides issue one because Quentin wasn't in it at all. <laughs> Eat this cake that I have for you. It's not poison at all. <laughs> this issue did showcase a couple of characters from X-Men past that really haven't been showcased a lot. And that is everyone's favorite Native American X-Men besides Warpath, Forge, and the return of Gateway to X-Men comics. Regina being an old school, old school X-Men. Regina, you're an old squirrel? What? <laughs> I hate you so much, Nico. <laughs> I don't know why I'm on this show.
Regina, being an old school X-Men fan, how happy were you to see characters like Forge and Gateway making their appearances, even though it's probably just going to be this issue? Well, the last time I read Forge, he was whining about not being with Storm. And that was really disappointing. So to see him now in kind of his element, he's so confident. And where I remember him being was really, really, really nice. Because it's like, you know, I mean, I would probably whine over Storm too, but get a grip, dude. And then he has these creations that he's made in this book, especially for Domino, you know, adjusting her arm so that she can fight. And it was amazing. I love seeing Gateway taking more of an active role because usually you just kind of see him just kind of hanging out. And in this book, he definitely stepped up and took more action than I think I've ever seen him give. This was a really bloody book. So when we open, we see Choir is beheaded and Wolverine is cut in half. (laughs) Black Tom is freaking amazing. Like, I've never enjoyed (laughs) Black Tom so much. This there was a a scene with Logan looking like a freaking zombie and it was so gnarly. I was like, I don't know what's happening here, but it's awesome. It didn't feel like an X-Men book. Um, it felt like it felt like a horror title. It it really did. And then at the end, oh my gosh. So there's this moment where they've got this guy and they've captured him and they're trying to get some information from him. And then Beast is all brutalize him within reason. I'm like, whoa, what's happening? <laughs> So it was, overall, I really, I really liked it. Um, but some of the characters don't really feel like they're true to themselves. Forge and Gateway and Domino were fine. It's more the OG X-Men that feel a little bit off. I'm totally with you on that. My note for this issue was specifically that there's a certain amount of reveling in violence that maybe feels anthema to the, or counter-anthema to the ideas that Krakoa is trying to promote. Whether it was Black Tom, like, violently dropping Gateway who I'm very, like, Gateway is a sacred protected character. You treat him with reverence, motherfucker. Like, he's the un-apocalypse. Yeah, he's like, the, and, he's like your grandpa. Like, don't mess. Yeah, you, don't you treat mess, him with love. Yeah, he, it, and he literally is like a grandpa. He's, like what Gina was saying, he's usually always just hanging around. He'll drive you places every once in a while, like in Generation X, he might drop he off. you a, a 20. He might drop off a kid in your yard and then leave. But, yeah, don't. <laughs> No, you don't kick him off a mountain. Like, violent, bloody stump Logan, who, by the way, looked like a Jimi Hendrix acid trip. And uh, Killer Domino, who was, like, half-melted. And honestly, I maybe didn't love that Gene was like, I'm gonna go in your brain. And she's like, why does he look like a pelican? Like, whatever the guy's face looks like. I, I maybe just felt like all my... All my faves were a little bit crazed, and as much as I loved this issue, which I really did, it maybe feels like this would be better suited to being a Max title. Like, I feel like they go really close to the edge, and then they pull back a little too hard. If you're going to give me some wanton violence, give me some wanton violence. I want wanton soup violence. Jonah, what were your thoughts on seeing, like Regina and Nico had mentioned a lot of our X-Men that we've gotten used to, especially Jean, who we see in other titles, and Wolverine as well. What were your thoughts on this basically dark X-Men book? I was actually pretty excited, and I had a lot of fun reading this. Wolverine using... I don't know. It was something about Wolverine's half-body still stabbing (laughs) everybody that I was like, yeah, this does it for me. That's what I'm into now. Uh, It's just the top half of Wolverine. I don't need the bottom half anymore. But you do. We all do. <laughs> oh, someone's well, attracted to Wolverine. <laughs> well, here, this is what will happen. We'll split Wolverine in half. You can have the bottom half. I'll take the top half. 
I'm fine with that. Uh, it was, and I think this is something we said very early on in the Dawn of X episodes talking about X-Force, that X-Force had a lot of potential to be much better, and I do really think they got their footing. I think now that Forge has entered the picture with the biotech Krakoan weaponry, I think now the book can really start for me and really just like go there hearing what you're saying nico that it feels like they're pulling back a little bit in certain places but i believe that's because from my perspective i don't see that that's also because all of you guys know these characters much better than i do i think they went pretty far and i don't know i like gene as the new psychic interrogator who will pull anything out of your mind to use against you i think that's pretty badass and the only other thing that I really need them to keep delving into and not gloss over is Domino talking about her mutant ability diminishing. Because that is a huge thing to state and throw out into canon without delving further into it. Ooh. I think we've heard other people saying that their powers are acting weird. Yeah, I feel like that is true, but I can't think of who has said that. But I feel like that is correct in your statement but i remember that as well and again i can't it was just kind of an offhand comment but um yeah that's why i'm kind of still looking at krakoa side-eyed <laughs> i think it was black tom in one of the uh the data sheets you know black tom is generating a lot more discussion he's in like crazy three months anyway. <laughs> than black tom has generated in like 60 years of canon <laughs> Speaking of information pages, there was an information page at the end of this issue where it discussed a mercenary group that is just called Merc that is a basically just like their namesake, a hired hitman group that just exists in the world. It mentions that Beast has actually reached out to them anonymously. I wanted to say that, yes, Beast seemed a little dark in this book, but... For those who are caught up on the past, like, 10 years of X-Men books, Beast has been a royal fuck-up when it comes to mutant kind. Yeah, that's and, that's, yeah, yeah. Yes, but... <laughs> so I really feel like Beast that lives on Krakoa might be taking it to the extremes. I feel like Hank is probably thinking that he needs to atone for everything that he's done. And yeah, he was stopping Domino from murdering the dude in this issue, but he literally was just doing it so he could have his own time with him. And then when he couldn't get what he wanted out of him to send an Omega level telepath to destroy this dude. I feel like we are getting another very extreme beast. And I'm actually kind of excited about that. Harkens back to something we've been saying that we've felt in some ways like this was kind of initiating the closest version to Age of Apocalypse we're going to get. And seeing a darker iteration of Beast and seeing a kind of mindless soldier, Scott, like we're really moving toward elements that defined the Age of Apocalypse in that regard. Yeah, speaking of how we are slightly moving towards dark things like what appeared in Age of Apocalypse, and which, by the way, like Nico mentioned, Dark Beast was the best version of Beast. <laughs> but back to Apocalypse talk. This issue five of Excalibur, we got to see, basically, that Apocalypse is basically just still Apocalypse, doing things 
that he wants done, not necessarily making any friends with his team. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Kyle, since you made that surprise, surprise, (laughs) what were your thoughts? I think you agreed with me when we first started talking about the Dawn of X books that Apocalypse is not to be trusted. So what were your thoughts on this issue where you and I turned out to be right? It was good to know that I had called it, but at the same time, I was completely thrown off by the events of this book i mean we we get rogue coming back apocalypse pretty much turned against gambit and then he kind of commits suicide i mean by kind of commit suicide he definitely committed suicide by rogue so um yeah that that was that was quite a shock i was not expecting him to push rogue as far as he did to the point where she killed him the point where she said, what are you looking at? Everybody kept going, what are you looking at? Rogue, rogue, <laughs> like over and over, right? Everybody kept immediately no. like, no. It, yes, it's true. <laughs> so, okay. Gambit as a Disney princess was adorable because he kept having to be rescued. <laughs> and when Rogue came back for him, I was just like, that's my girl. But um, then I had some questions about, okay, so this seemed to happen pretty fast. At the very end when she's going up against Apocalypse and they're doing their thing and she starts absorbing him. Oh, and let me back up because she had a new outfit and I was like, I love this new outfit. This outfit is beautiful and amazing and everything. It was so beautiful. (laughs) But she kind of grabs Apocalypse and starts to drain him. And it seemed to happen pretty fast. So then I was like, wait, does she have a different power absorption? Can she control her power absorption? Because she just kind of sucked him dry. (laughs) Yeah, she took his whole seed. (laughs) And then what does this mean? Like, with the resurrection protocols, are we going to have him back? Or is she going to take his place? Like, what? Like, I'm ready for the next phase. I need to know what's happening here. (laughs) I feel like there was probably a part of it was she was using her powers to hurt him and then especially like he was telling her to do it i feel like there's probably i mean apocalypse is a super powerful mutant i feel like he probably was also using some sort of like i'll give you all of my energy or all of my seed and so it was probably just very (laughs) over (laughs) overwhelming for her i mean because he was really wanting whatever this magical ritual spell that he was trying to make sure got accomplished So he just wanted to make sure that that happened. Uh, Nico, speaking of Apocalypse and his newly found obsession with mysticism, I believe you had some things you wanted to discuss. Oh, absolutely. And if anybody's looking to catch my feelings on this, you can find me over on House of X having way too many feelings about this. But in many ways, Excalibur represents the first time that X-Men is trying to move toward a more modernized version of mysticism. So much of what Marvel has spent its time doing is that very 1930s sense of exploring the world mysticism, that very Scott Cunningham which store in a mall kind of mysticism. And not that that doesn't have its place, but there's a lot to be said about using the term Wicca or witch appropriately. And this is for my sake, the first time that we're actually kind of verging on like magic, magic, magic. As somebody who studies this stuff, this really is verging on like decently real magic. I'm fascinated to see this push toward Gnostic mysticism over 
charlatan kind of hand wavy the craft kind of magic because the craft really a lot of fun fun magic don't get me wrong but it's really misrepresentative of spirituality and if krakoa and x-men and x-men krakoa are going to push so hard toward a realistic interpretation of spirituality on a progressive level i need them to take these steps and ensure that that's how it feels jonah with the issues that we have read so far in uh, 80s Mutant Mania and the issues that you've read now, you've read a lot of versions of X-Men with magic, uh, like Nico was just talking about. And you and I actually even did a little bit where we talked about the magic in X-Men books. Is there a favorite character that you have been drawn to that is a magic wielder? in these X-Men books. Well, she doesn't make an appearance here, and we did already talk about her. Uh, From everything that I have read, past, present, future, maybe even in my dreams, Ileana, I love the way that they draw her. I love different parts of her personality. It's a lot of fucked up shit that happened to her. There's something about Ileana when I read her that I'm like, that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be best friends with and see succeed and get everything in the world. So my money and my heart and my love are on Ileana right now. And you just picked up that gorgeous Ileana Marvel Legend figure. Yes, I did. I was looking for the Stepford Cuckoos and I got Ileana and I was not disappointed. I feel like a lot of writers have said that. (laughs) It is a pretty amazing Marvel Legends toy. I have it right here in my hand. But to go along with what Jonah just said, just like we did on last week's episode of the Fuck, Mary Kill, I posed a question in the Facebook group that I have that's titled House of X about who people's favorite magic-wielding X-Men characters were. And just like Jonah said, a member of House of X, Kellen Tyler, said that his favorite magic wielder is magic. Her whole life has been affected by magic. She fought in it. She's embraced it. It wrecked her life. It brought her back to life. She is magic. And I felt that that was a really powerful thing because, yeah, when it comes to Ileana, magic has done so many awful things to her, but it has also done amazing things to her and made her the pretty badass, super powerful. In some certain futures, she has been shown to take in Doctor Strange's role as the Sorcerer Supreme. So, yeah, magic is probably the best magic wielder. And especially with empire coming up i'm going to assume that billy is going to be put billy wiccan as guardian whatever you want to call him is going to be put under a stronger spotlight since so much is going to be generated toward teddy i imagine we're going to see magic as the reigning x-men sorceress play a role in the story as it unfolds especially with her moving over to strange academy as well as savage avengers come to think of it they're really poisoning iliana to take over the fucking marvel universe she's going to be in four books I think I'm probably going to have to start reading Savage Avengers because I really like Ileana too, so. Yeah, she debuts in February's number zero. And moving on to the final issue of last week's titles that came out, I actually super loved this issue. It was Falling Angels number five. Slightly kind of out of nowhere, there's two new members and I absolutely love it, Uh I love Paige Guthrie, and to actually see her getting some spotlight is amazing. And Bling is a character that not very many X-Men fans, unless you're like super hardcore and have read every issue, know about or even care about. And Bling is a member of the LGBT 
community. And I'm just happy that they decided to throw her in this book, even if it is the second to last issue. You know, and I don't think it was meant to be originally. And the thing that really stood out to me was that moment of the team coming together here really kind of mirrored that moment of the team really coming together in X-Force. And I almost wonder if they waited too long to get themselves going. And now they're like, well, fuck, this is the plan. Execute it quickly. It did seem a bit rushed. Uh, Regina, what are your thoughts on this quick team build up and being an old school fan like you are? What are your thoughts on seeing like these new characters who have never met Quanin or really know anything about her? It has felt like a slow burn and then all of a sudden we're rushing. And I love Bling and I love Hus. It just felt like all of a sudden we've got to wrap this present up. We've got the bow. Get the bow. Where's the tape? Now we're going to put everything together. And it just felt like it was maybe too slow in the beginning and now we're, we're rushing to get everything taken care of. So it doesn't really feel as organic as I would like it to feel. I don't mind it. So I'm just waiting for the next book. I'm just still kind of, this was not one of my favorite books. So I'm still kind of biding my time to what's going to happen next. But this did actually make me more excited for the next issue. Like so excited for the next issue. I specifically said to myself, okay, it's felt like every issue has felt like setting up and dropping dominoes, right? Like I feel like every issue gets the dominoes ready and the next issue kind of hasn't paid it off so well. This might be the first time where I'm like, okay, no matter what, next issue ends it all. I'm I'm in for the ending. <laughs> Jonah, this book is full of a lot of characters that I know you are necessarily familiar with. How has... As a whole, I mean, basically, since this book is ending at the end of next issue, as a whole, how has this book been for you with all these new characters just thrown in? I never knew who Quanin was. Nico told me a little bit about her and Betsy, so I do have a really fond appreciation of who this character is and what they're trying to do with her. I think Laura comes off amazingly. I, she's another character I only know through pop culture references, and she's a really cool character within the Marvel vs. Capcom series. Nico, if you ever spend three seconds with Nico, he'll wax poetically about his love of Cable. My biggest problem with Fallen Angels is it felt like they were an issue behind. I feel like this should have been issue four. I, I wish that Bling and Hus, who are two characters I know nothing about, feel I, I feel like these two characters should have been introduced in the issue before because I would have loved to been able to see them more. You know, outside, uh, I, I don't want to say this is characters who are underappreciated, but I feel like with Bling and Husk, those are two characters who I feel like maybe could have gotten a little more love and having them in at least one more issue to give them more personality, panel time, whatever, would have been really nice. And I think this was a great issue. I still just feel that Fallen Angels is behind the rest of the X-Books in terms of plot pacing. I agree as well. Agreed. Me too. The one like super awesome thing about this book besides it actually giving Bling and Husk some much needed time that they haven't gotten in any X-Books in a while is we got to see Magneto talking to Quanin again. Throughout the series, we got to see Quanin talk to Sinister and it's always been catty and super <laughs> funny. In the first issue, we got to see her talk to Magneto and he basically said, 
I'm going to turn a, a blind eye to you and just go and have Sinister help you. But in this issue, we got to see Magneto talk to Quanin again and tell her that he understands her cause, even though it is helping humans. And then he gives her basically, I guess, a blackbird, but it's probably just a random jet. I thought that moment was nice since the book is ending to see Quanin and Magneto have a discussion again and him understand her. And it, it is nice to see see him and Quanin slightly bond because they have very similar pasts of being villains and now they are on the side of wanting to protect mutants and Krakoa and even to an extent or at least further for her protect humans and I thought that was a really good moment to have at the end of this issue. We also had a uh, really cool moment uh, where she and Betsy kind of spend some time together again without actually interacting that I thought was absolutely beautiful. It was beautiful. It was also the only time I could tell two women apart. (laughs) I love that scene. I agree. It It was a really neat... It was as if they were showing that they are still one, but also very, very separate. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it made sense to me and I really enjoyed it. I thought that was a beautiful panel and a beautiful page. I enjoyed seeing them together, but not together as as they have been since their whole body swap started. Um, They've always kind of been there and not been there. And to see them start to come into their own more is something I think that we need more of. I do think that you can't be part of somebody's DNA for so long and not have repercussions from it. And I think we do need to see it still happen from time to time where they maybe encounter each other. They don't have to say anything, just like in this panel where they didn't exchange any words, just being in their presence, um, the presence of the other was enough. And I think we need to see that continue. Well, we surely spun that wheel of trying to discuss these different books with that that had those ups and downs. And Kyle, what are we going to be covering next week? Next week, we will be covering Marauders and Excalibur number six. But until then, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. Dylan, where can everybody find you? Everybody can find me on Facebook at my X-Men Facebook group, House of X, or you can find me on Instagram at Warpath underscore Dylan. That is Warpath underscore D-Y-L-A-N. Regina, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at the Red Queen underscore G or Instagram at the Red Queen underscore on underscore IG. And Jonah, where can everybody find you? You can find me absorbing Apocalypse, knowing full well what my powers are. And then looking at everybody else when they look at me crazy going, what? what? Do I have something on my face? Or you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Peak Jonah. Nico, where can everybody find you? You guys can find me being the only recognizable character in Fallen Angels by virtue of being bald. That would be the only way to be recognizable in that book your hair. But beyond that, you guys can find me all over this amazing network on shows like HTML where I'm covering Star Wars with most of the people here. Regina, we're going to have to find something Star Wars to put you on. Are you a Star Wars lady? Sometimes. Okay, cool. We'll find one of the things that you Star Wars. All of these people are over on Star Wars with us on HTML as well as a ton of other places on this amazing network. Guys, please don't forget to check us out at wearekrakoa.com or our amazing super inclusive superhero comics, Kid Riot, over at kidriotcomics.com. That's K-I-D-R-I-O-T-C-O-M-I-C-S. As well as my Instagram, Nico Action at N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And until next time, you guys can find us hopping through gateways. Ooh, and gateway. There's now gateways and gateway. This is exciting. See ya. Bye. 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 Bye.